this Palm Sunday, we read a passage from John 12, 1 through 11. I will read now. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal it, used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and believing in Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A friend this week sent me a quote from the pastor and respected author, A.W. Tozer. It summed up all that we have been talking about in these last few weeks, so much so that maybe all we needed was this quote all along. Reverend Tozer said this, what a scared world needs is a fearless church. Man, will that preach when the world is mired in deep anxiety like it is now, the church needs to rise up with boldness and exemplify the life of Christ, we profess. Amen. Tozer was born into poverty in 1897 in Ohio. As a teenager, he worked at a tire factory. On his way home from work one day, he overheard a street preacher giving a message. And the preacher said this, If you don't know how to be saved, just call on the name of God and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Tozer went home that day, went into his attic, and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Imagine how God's obedient servant on the street that day changed the course of one person's life, who then went on to become a pastor for 44 years, who must have led countless people to the Lord and still is a great voice of influence in the church today. Tozer had no formal education. He taught himself what he could not afford at high school, college, or seminary. He never owned a car and gave away most of his family's income. But he wrote more than 60 books and became a great voice in the church that he loves so much. 
God met A.W. Tozer on that walk home, which led to a fulfilling life of service for Christ all of his 66 years. We are changed when Christ meets us, and he changes the direction of our journey. The choices we make then become about him, which gives us a boldness that at once can be shocking, but also an incredible witness. In our passage today, Mary shows us how this is true. Mary is the sibling of Martha and Lazarus. We first meet her at a different dinner party where her sister is serving while Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach, revolutionary for a woman at that time. This makes her sister mad. So Martha goes and tattles to Jesus, hoping that he will send Mary back to the kitchen. He does the opposite, telling Martha that her focus of worrying that evening was her problem, not that of her sister. Mary had made the better choice to sit and learn at his feet. In the chapter just before the one we read in John, we see Mary and her family again. Lazarus is gravely ill. So a message is sent for Jesus to come right away. When he arrives, after purposely waiting two days, Lazarus is already dead. And again, Martha gives the Lord a piece of her mind. How he could have saved her brother if he would have come sooner. When he asks for Mary, she comes outside with others who have come to console her and mourn with her and her family. She kneels down and says, Lord, Lazarus would still be alive if you would have only come sooner. Jesus then told them to take the stone away where Lazarus had been laid to rest. He prays to God and he orders his friend to come out. Many believe that day although others see it as more proof that Jesus must be stopped at all costs. Imagine, imagine that being the response to God performing such an astounding miracle, a miracle that brought life back to the family and to the world. The story we read occurs a bit later. And it marks the beginning of the week when Jesus died. The day after Mary anoints Jesus, a great crowd of people wave their palm branches after him and hail him as the King of Israel, the one who comes in the name of God. Later in this week, we wonder, where are all these people? When he is being tried as a common criminal, are they the same ones? who scream for Pilate to crucify him? What looks like an act of worship might actually be a self-serving attempt to support someone they thought could help them socially or politically. Yet Mary's act is one of true devotion. She is honoring Jesus with a depth of understanding of who he is, which very few had at that time. What courage it must have taken for her to do what she did. A woman didn't pour perfume over a man's head in public. She certainly would not have had her hair down 
nor would she have used it to wipe his feet. The perfume itself was believed to be imported from India, and it was very costly because it was pure. It would have cost a year's wages at a time for an average person. So Judas's criticism is one that would have sounded reasonable had his own motives not been in question. In their time and place, many lived in great poverty or at the very edge of survival. We may not think much of it, but this perfume today could have cost upwards of $12,000. $12,000. Does that change our mind about what happened? Most of us would probably agree with the sentiment of how that kind of resource could have been used to truly help others. There are those in life we know them, who are quite comfortable showing their love for Jesus. They are not self-conscious in their worship, expressing freely their devotion to him. And there are those who are glad for the opportunity to speak their mind about how inappropriate they think that expression is, or at least how they think it should be different. A scared world needs a fearless church, not a judgmental one. Think about how Mary's fearless act embodies some of Jesus's key teachings. Think of some of Jesus's words as I read them for you today. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. Where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. The hour is coming and is now here when all true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let your light so shine before all people so they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Mary believed Jesus was the Son of God. She took his teachings to heart and her life became about what she could do to bring him honor. Those closest to Jesus knew why he was going to Jerusalem. Maybe they didn't grasp all that would occur. Maybe they didn't know the full agony of the cross, but he had told those he trusted what would happen, that he was going there to die. In Mary's actions, we sense a heaviness of spirit, maybe a dread of what will come. Jesus says Mary bought this perfume for his burial. She knew. We think how those who are close to God honor him in the way that he deserves. 
Jesus rebukes Judas because he welcomed this beautiful act of worship done for him. It was the right choice. God says what matters is our heart toward him. Jesus is saying the money could have been given to the poor at any time. But this moment, this moment with him was never going to happen again in quite this way on earth. What a beautiful idea. What an important idea for us to think about. We know that life is fleeting and life is short. Jesus will soon be killed. We don't want to miss the chance that we have to love those in our lives when we can. In times both with and without a scary virus, anything can happen. We need to keep speaking and showing our love for God and one another. Here we see Mary wanting to glorify Jesus as Lord. In the Gospel of John, the kingship of Jesus is a main theme. Mary's act can then be interpreted as preparing him for burial, and it can be interpreted as showing his supreme, his supreme life over everyone, his supreme reign over everyone, especially her. This makes her a witness to his lordship. She is telling us who he really is. The crowds will hail him as a potential ruler. Judas will betray. Pilate will demand to know if he is the king. Caiaphas will ask repeatedly, who are you? Peter will deny, haters will scorn and mock, John will agree to take care of his mother, Nicodemus and Joseph will come to help bury him. But Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached, what Mary has done will be told. This act of worship, this fearless act of Mary's, will be a witness of who Jesus is. When Mary boldly proclaimed Jesus as the one worthy of all we are and all we have, this is when Holy Week truly begins. Later on this week, Jesus will wash the feet of the disciples. He'll model servanthood. He'll tell them, I want you to go and to do likewise. But here's Mary already living out that lesson, expressing a depth of insight and love for her God. Tozer's last sermon was to emphasize the lordship of Christ in the church. He was worried that an understanding, that an obedience to Christ's Lordship was waning and that it would be lost if believers didn't pay attention. This is an inspiration that we take then from Mary's life as we come to the table of communion today. Jesus is with you at the supper he began. He joins us. He consecrates the elements that we have gathered to honor him. 
We are at the beginning of the week where his death on our behalf comes into sharp focus. So we reflect on what it means that Jesus is our King. Jesus is our beloved Lord. He is our Savior. And we think about Mary's act in our minds. We want to come to the table and express our love and our faith and our trust and our devotion to the one who died for us. Each one of us has the opportunity to honor Jesus with our lives. How will we choose to live for him with who we are and what we have? What we continue to learn from Mary's life is still what the better choice looks like. In this holiest of weeks, we have countless options before us in how it is that we will live. We can live for ourselves or we can put Jesus first, discerning what this looks like as we spend time connecting with him, learning from his word, praying to him. Because an anxious world needs a bold church. In this moment, let us commit again to live boldly for Jesus, who is our King, who is our God. We remember his death on our behalf today with humility and lament and gratefulness. May Jesus continue to be the center of all that we treasure. We're going to read now a short liturgy and Mark will join me. The words will be on the screen so you can read along. After I read, I will invite you to partake of the elements that you have at home. If you have not yet gotten them together, now would be a good time to hit the pause button and do so. You don't have to be a member of any church in order to freely receive the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is necessary is a contrite heart and a willingness to put your faith in him for your life and to say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.